God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're looking in Isaiah chapter 12 today. If you turn there, Isaiah chapter 12. I find joy to be a unique, interesting fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you look at the different fruits of the Holy Spirit as found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, there's a you know, I can see how producing fruit can impact not only my own life, but the lives of others. You know, the fruit of love. If I show love, that means love towards other people, a concern for others. If it's peace, that means good relationships, getting along with others. If it means patience, kindness, goodness, that has to do with how we deal with one another, being gentle towards others, being self-controlled. As I consider all those fruits of the Spirit, it's like, yeah, I, I see how how that relates to not just my own benefit being a believer, but how it relates to uh, interactions with other people. But when it comes to joy, uh, it's easy for me to see how joy can benefit me. Yeah, I got that. Easy enough. Uh, but they're not so easy and quick to see how my joy can impact the lives of others. Today, as we consider this chapter, I want you to know if your life is filled with joy, I believe it will also benefit many others, showing love for others besides strengthening your own life. Would you have a life powered by joy? Powered by joy. 
Now, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 1, it says, In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you are angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. As thoughts are talking about the Lord's anger, we get angry about lots of different things. Might get angry because there's some slow driver in front of you on the road. Might get angry because you got a C instead of an A on the test. Might get angry because there's no rain or there's too much rain. Might get angry because the equipment's breaking down and it's difficult to fix. Might get angry over a messy room or dirt and mud tracked in the house. Might get angry over being hungry. You heard that made up word? Hangry? Hangry. I'm hangry. Feed me. And on and on and on. But you know what the truth is? God only gets angry about one thing. And one thing only. God only gets angry about sin. Sin dishonors God. Sin hurts us. Sin against God is totally wicked and evil. But there's good news. Colossians 2 verse 13 says, You were dead in your sins. When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and it stood opposed to us opposed to us, He took it away, nailing it to the cross. We can have full forgiveness through the cross of Jesus, through the resurrection of Christ. It says, you are angry with me, but you have comforted me. Comforted that though we're still in a sinful world, that we still live in sinful flesh, that uh, we're comforted in knowing that the penalty has been paid in full. Right now, right now where you sit, by faith in Jesus Christ, you can know that you're accepted as a child of God. You have your sins forgiven. You have a place prepared in heaven, free from sin. And one day you will enjoy perfection in love for God and love for others. As Romans 8 verse 1 says, There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. How could you not find joy when you're comforted with this truth, with this simple truth of what Christ has done for us? Verse 2 in Isaiah 12 says, Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He saves us, and so the response is to say what? I will trust. I will trust in God. In God we trust is our national model, motto. But you know, a nation cannot trust in God if the people themselves do not trust in God. And the people cannot trust in God as a whole if individuals, you and I, do not trust in God. Trust in God on a daily basis. To trust God is to believe Him, to cling to Him, no matter what the circumstances may be like. To trust that God loves me, saves me, forgives me, helps me. To trust in the very words in Romans 8, 28 that says, We know that in everything God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. To trust the truth of that Scripture. I don't know the full plan 
for my life, much less your life, or for the life of this church, or the life of this community, or the life of this nation. But I trust God. Trust God with my life, as Proverbs 3, 5 says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Trust Him with everything that you are. Don't rely on what you can figure out for yourself. Even Job 13, verse 15, even to the extent of Job 13, verse 15, it says, even though He slay me, I will put my hope in Him. I will trust Him. It says, I will trust Him and not be afraid. It's not the usable word in the Bible for fear, but it's a word that means dread or terror. It's kind of a body-thinking fear. I will not be afraid. I will not dread. I will not be in terror. There are many things in life to be afraid of that people are afraid of. Most of them are related to pain and to death. But if I trust, if you trust in God, you know who you belong to. And that's a very solid foundation to not fear, to not be afraid of what life throws at you. As Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hebrews 13, verse 6 says, we say with confidence, with confidence, the Lord is my helper. What can man do to me? The Lord's my helper. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love. For fear has to do with punishment. And one who fears is not perfected in love. When we know that we are loved by God, saved by God, forgiven by God, there's no condemnation, there's no punishment out there waiting for us. We don't have to be afraid, but we can trust God and not be afraid. I like to... What the Scripture says in Psalm 91, I was, I've probably read it before, but I was first made aware of it when I heard the story about an old settler from Nest City, Alan Musbaugh, who became an Assembly of God preacher and pastor. And uh, he served in the Army in World War II. And uh, his unit was down in the Solomons, New Georgia, Rendova, fighting the Japanese. And it was related before they went into combat. They got together. He got together with some other guys and they read Psalm 91 together and prayed. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies uh, by, the, by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but I will not be touched, will not be harmed. The devil uses fear to paralyze us from doing good. The devil uses fear to stop us from stepping out for Christ. The devil uses fear from stepping up to love others. The devil uses fear to rob us of joy. To rob us of joy in life. Verse 3, it goes on to say, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. 
Joy comes from salvation. David writes in Psalm 51, repenting of his sin, calling on God for mercy and forgiveness. And David writes in Psalm 51, verse 12, because of my sin, it's like my joy was robbed from me. I didn't have joy in life. And he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation, of my salvation. There's no greater source of joy than knowing the simple truth that you are saved through Jesus Christ, forgiven of all your sins. A child of God, a home in heaven. To know that uh, it is not just for our salvation, but this is what the very thing that motivated Jesus Himself in the flesh. In Hebrews chapter 12, in verse 2, it says, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. He had joy going through trials, persecution, pain, suffering, death, separation from His Father. He had joy in the middle of that. Why? Because He knew it would mean our salvation, your salvation, your forgiveness, your being restored to God, your being in heaven with Him forever. The joy set before Him. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. I like what it says in 2 Thessalonians Chapter 1, verse 10, it talks about the day when Jesus comes, when He'll be glorified by the holy, His holy people. And the next phrase, I love it, it says, be marveled at among all those who have believed. When Jesus returns and calls us home to be glorified and to be marveled at. And the truth is we glorify Him now and we marvel at Him now. I joyfully marvel at Jesus. It leaves me and wonder when I think about the truth that sinned against the holy God, rebelled against Him, rejected Him, disbelieved, disobeyed God, yet He still sent His Son from heaven to save us, left His glory in heaven, humbled Himself in human flesh, took all our sins in His body to the tree, so we could be forgiven. And in doing that, was forsaken by His Father in heaven. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And He did that to snatch you and me from the fires of eternal hell. I marvel. I marvel at that, that God did just not, didn't just wash His hands of the whole deal and say, I'm tired of this, and destroy the human race completely. I marvel at God's great mercy and love. And when I marvel at what God has done to save us, it fills me with joy. With joy. It says, I, with joy I will draw water from the wells of salvation. Just bring up the water. Keep splashing it around. Splashing in it. I have joy because God has saved me. From hell. That's why Jesus, when He saw the Samaritan woman at the well, He told her, the water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You'll never be thirsty again. It's a constant source 
of joy and of salvation. In Jesus, a couple of chapters later in Jerusalem, in John chapter 7, verse 37, He says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scripture said, streams of living water will flow from within him. With joy draws up water from the wells of salvation. When we remember what God has done for us, to save us, not left us alone, given us His Holy Spirit, it's a constant source of joy. A constant source of joy. And because it comes from within, because it comes from within inside you, it's really not dependent on the circumstances you find yourself in. There's a lot of dark circumstances that life throws at us. Whether it's health, whether it's uh, meanness from other folks, whatever it might be, whether it's not getting your way. There's a lot of darkness out there in this sinful world. But when it's, you have this source of joy within you, you can draw up the waters of salvation with joy from within. Finally, the rest of the chapter in verse 4. It says, In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. And proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done glorious things. Let this be known in all the world. Shout aloud, sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Starts out by saying, give thanks to the Lord. Joy is tightly connected with giving thanks in a heart full of thanks. When you open a present and you got what you wanted, wow. There's a lot of joy there. I, we were hoping, Crystal's sick, we were hoping for grandson birthday party yesterday, but it's been put off till next Saturday. But uh, that, that's what I expect. I expect these grandsons to sit there and open a present and have joy and give thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you! That's just what I was wanting. Wonderful. Thanks and joy. Join together. It's a powerful thing. And it calls us to let the whole world know that thanks and that joy. To let the world know the good news of salvation. And to witness to share your faith with somebody else, to tell somebody else, explain to them what you believe, to want to tell somebody else what you believe, that ought to be not a reluctant task or a drudgery task. Oh, I guess I have to. God says I should. But I'll be compelled by love and filled with joy. You know, it's easy to talk about important, incredible Amazing things. Wonderful things that just fill you with joy. I want to go see my granddaughter, too. Just see her once she, since she's been born. I want to go hold her. I want to Let me tell you about my granddaughter. Oh, man, she's just cute. It's easy. It's easy because it's so wonderful. Oh, the Super Bowl, the cheese, Tennessee, cheese, isn't that exciting? Joy, celebration, fireworks. Lots of talk. Will they win a third in a row? Who knows? Oh, they had the longest field goal in Super Bowl history. What about Kelsey Young to coach? What was that all about? 
After the game, what about Kelsey and Taylor Swift, that kissy? Are they going to get engaged? Are they going to get married? People like to talk a lot about things that draw their attention. Conversations come easily about subjects that grab our attention and that give us joy. What is more important? What is more incredible? What is more amazing than the mighty works of God? What is more outstanding? What is more astonishing than what God has done? He's created the universe. Spread it all out. Knows the stars by name. He made us and He made us and gave us life and He made us in His image. God did that. That's awesome. We sinned, yet He still loved us and His Son left His glory in heaven. He was born of a virgin. Well, that's never happened before. That's how outstanding God is. That His Son came born of a virgin and He suffered for me. He's the only one to have died and rise from the dead and never die again. And He ascended into heaven. Nobody's ever done that. Like Jesus. He's coming one day. He's coming one day. With such amazing, outstanding things. Witnessing is not a drudgery task. It's a matter of, whew, this is exciting stuff I want to talk about. Gives me joy to talk about it. Makes me want to give thanks like a child opening gifts. John 16, verse 24 says, Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Ask, get a gift. And when you receive it, joy, joy will be complete. God's salvation always leads us to joy. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, it says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We can be grateful and thankful to God for what He has done for us. And when you are grateful and thankful to God for what He's done for us, for you personally, specifically, how can that not lead to a life filled with joy. Filled with thankfulness. Filled with gratefulness. So it becomes an easy thing to tell somebody else what God means to you. What God has done for you. But we miss out on joy. We don't produce as much of that fruit as we should. Witnessing becomes difficult. Often because we get wrapped up in sin. We're in love with the world and looking out for ourselves. But the Holy Spirit is within your life, producing the fruit of joy, filling your life with joy. At least ought to show on your face. Make people wonder what what they up to. What's going on with him? What is she so happy about? And not just filled with joy, then it becomes a matter of singing. Verse 5, verse 6, I'll sing and I'll sing for joy. It's not just talking about it, but you've got your own song. You've got your own song you want to sing about. Pouring out from your soul. Psalm 40, verse 3 says, He put a new song in my heart. He put a new song in my heart 
a song of praise to our God, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. This song of joy of what God has done is a leads to the witness that draws people, that challenges people, that calls people to put their faith in Jesus Christ. And he put a new song where? In my mouth. Oh, he put a new song in my in my heart. And I know what it is. And it's all right there. And it's going to stay there. No, he put a new song in my mouth that others hear, that others believe. The great revivals of, of evangelical outreach where souls were won and churches grow often comes with new music. And the Reformation, it not only got back to the basic truths of the Bible that were saved only by grace, only through faith, and that only Scripture is our authority, it not only got to those great truths, there was singing going on. Martin Luther wrote songs. Mighty fortress is our God. John Calvin made sure they sang the songs. Put it to music. Let's put this, these songs to music and let's sing those. And not just them, but every other great time in the late 1800s with, with Dwight L. Moody and great evangelistic services. It was not just Dwight L. Moody. It was Dwight L. Moody and Ira Sankey, the guy that played the organ and belted out songs at the top of his lungs. And it's not just Billy Graham this century. I'm an old person. The last century. I forgot all about that. It was not just Billy Graham in the 1900s. It was Billy Graham and George Beverly Shea belting out songs and later getting other more contemporary groups to share at the, at the services. Been great changes in Christian music in the last 50 years. That's led to division in some churches, but it's also led to reaching a new generation with the gospel. He put a new song in my heart, song of praise to our God. And many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. With joy do you draw up living water from the wells of salvation each and every day. You have a joy in your life that uh, makes you pray for those who don't know Christ, to want to tell others who don't know Christ, whether at school or work or in a community. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Therefore, through Jesus, let's continually, continually, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. I gotta confess. He's my Lord. He's my God. So how does joy not just benefit me when joy pours out and the world sees it and the world pays attention? And that joy pours out with a witness and a testimony and a song that's in my mouth, not just buried in my heart. Have you asked God how He wants you to be led by the Holy Spirit to tell others? And to tell others with love and joy, not out of duty and obligation, but to tell others out of love and joy. Have you prayed about it? Have you ever prayed to God? I'm talking to young children too. Have you ever prayed to God and said, God, do you ever 
You, is there someday you think you want me to be a Sunday school teacher? Or have you prayed and say, God, do you want me to lead a home Bible study and invite my neighbors and my friends over? Lord, do you want me to grab a couple of my friends and talk to them about Jesus? That may happen now, maybe much later. But whichever way, if you ask and God answers, respond with joy. Would the Lord call you to be a preacher or pastor? Respond with joy. I just This last week I was talking to another Baptist minister and he was sharing and he said, hey, my daughter, his daughter's a senior in high school. My daughter just told me, she said, Dad, I, I think God wants me to be a preacher's wife. <laughs> He's like, oh, really? Okay. You know? Want to know, Lord, what, what do you want for my future here? Respond with joy. Would the Lord call you to be a missionary? And say, would you be willing to let me take you and use you and train you and give you the, the joy to share the gospel with people that maybe you even got to learn the language and learn some different cultures and customs to understand how to best tell them about Jesus Christ. If so, respond with joy. Verse 4 said, In that day you will say, Give thanks to the Lord, call on His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. And proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. That means China. That means Africa. That means down the block. That means in your classroom. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. Respond with joy. Paul wrote a couple of different things and 1 Corinthians 9.16, he said, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. That sounds kind of negative and like he has to. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, Knowing what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade people. That might sound a little negative. Verse 14 and 15 says, uh, We are compelled, controlled by the love of God. Uh, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who for their sake died and rose. The love of Christ compels us. But let's not stop there. I'm certain Paul was driven by joy in telling the Gospel. The joy of knowing how much he, he had been forgiven the joy of His own salvation that He drew up the waters of salvation from the wells of salvation. Why do I believe that? First Timothy, look with me, First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1. <clears throat> this is Paul. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that He considered me faithful, appointing me to His service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying 
that deserve full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy that so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, immortal, eternal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. When Paul thought of his salvation, wow, he's thinking, man, I lucked out. I, I scored. I, I got the best there was. Because I was a sinner lost and headed for hell, but God loved me and saved me. Oh, how could He not tell people not out of duty or obligation, but tell them out of joy and love, compelling, controlling Him. Oh, God did this for me. He can do the same for you. How is joy not just about yourself? How does it impact the lives of others? That's how. When joy drives you and leads you to that extent. It's easy in life to be weighed down with the circumstances of life. To be angry over a variety of things. To be frustrated. Go around frowning, serious, defeated. But turn your eyes to Jesus. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Remember the joy of salvation with joy Drop water from the wells of salvation. Then it's easier to have a smile on your face, to talk about the greatness, the wonderful God, the marvelous Savior who, who came for us, even to sing about it, break out in a song. Amazing things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just uh, too often... Uh, go through life, go through each day, uh, dragged down by sin, dragged down by the darkness, dragged down with our eyes only fixed on the circumstances around us. But Lord, help us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. The joy set before Him. The joy set before us. Help us live lives full of thankfulness, full of love, full of joy for your praise and glory, for the benefit of those around us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.